0: Today's video is brought to you by my latest book, When Religion Kills, a look at how the so-called faithful, in many religions, advocate murder in the name of their god. Buy it today. Just click on the link in the text portion of this podcast. When it comes to counterterrorism, is already a lot of sharing of information across many countries, and that is indeed a good thing. Hi, this is Phil Gursky, and you're listening to Quick Hits. Across an interesting article this morning, written by an old friend of mine named Greg Fife. Greg and I used to work together within the Canadian intelligence community. He was a long-standing director of the Privy Council Office's International Assessment Secretariat. Greg has a, a great pass in intelligence in Canada, and he's written an article most recently in a website which is called the Center for International Policy Studies, which is part of the University of Ottawa where I'm also a director of the Security Intelligence, Security Economics and Technology program within the Professional Development Institute, a position I've held for the past year or so. And Greg weighs in on this notion of the so-called Five Eyes Alliance and how it needs to be expanded. For those who don't know, Five Eyes is the name given to an alliance of nations, Western nations, Anglophone nations, that have been sharing intelligence for the better part of 75 years. It consists of Australia, Canada, New Zealand, United Kingdom, and United States. And as noted, it has been an amazing club for collecting, processing, analyzing, and sharing intelligence since the waning days of the Second World War. I first became aware of the Five Eyes Alliance when I started my job with Communication Security Establishment, which is Canada's signals intelligence agency, way back in July of 1983. And I learned quite quickly about the the nature of this sharing relationship and the fact that, as Canada, a rather, rather small partner when it comes to intelligence, we certainly benefited greatly from getting almost unfettered access to intelligence from our allies. Bottom line, great club, great sharing, great benefits for the partners. And yet when I read this piece by Greg this morning, he talks about how maybe it's time to bring other allies into the alliance. My first reaction was, yeah, but we're already doing that. Let me explain. When I joined CSIS, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, on succumbent from CSE in January of 2001. I just spent 17 and a half years at CSE and was ready for a change. An old friend of mine who used to be the CSES liaison officer to CSE, said, why don't you come work for us for a while? And I said, sure. I needed a bit of fresh air. Turns out that I, by moving to CSES, I went from a hour and a half commute, taking at least three buses to work, to a 32 minute walk from my front door to CSES's front door. So bonus in terms of my physical ability, uh, exercise, etc, etc, and lifestyle. And one thing I learned pretty well from the get-go when it comes to the intelligence relationships that CSIS had versus those that we had at CSE was that it was a very, very different world indeed. So CSE, again, Canada Signals Intelligence Agency, was pretty well restricting in what it could share with its four major partners in the Anglo world. There was GCHQ in the United Kingdom. There was the Defense Signals Directorate, now called the Australian Signals Directorate, I believe, in Australia, the Government Communications Security Bureau in New Zealand, and of course the National Security Agency in Washington, United States. CSIS, as Canada's security intelligence organization, wasn't limited to those five countries. It actually had the ability under its legislation passed in 1984, the so-called CSIS Act, under what's known as Section 17, to enter into an intelligence relationship with just about anybody in the known universe. All the relationship needed was a sign-off by two ministers. I believe that was the Minister of Foreign Affairs, and if memory serves me, correct, the Minister of what was then called Solicitor General, now called Public Safety Canada. In other words, where CSIS saw fit and saw a benefit, to sharing intelligence with a given nation. All I had to do was make its case to a couple of ministers, and if they agreed it was a good idea, they signed off, and Bob's your uncle, you had a new sharing relationship. This was really weird to me, and I do recall having a meeting very early on in my time at CSIS, where we were sitting in a room and there was a foreign delegation that had arrived in Ottawa. I'm not going to say what the country was from. So suffice to say, it wasn't one of the five eyes. And I remember sitting beside a colleague who was uh, much more experienced at CSIS than I am. And I whispered in his ear, I said, can we talk to these guys? They're not part of the five eyes. And he smiled at me in a sort of paternal kind of way and, you know, patted me on the shoulder and says, it's okay, Phil. We have a Section 17 relationship with them." In the years that I worked at CSIS, from 2001, 2015, I learned that, at least for the file that I was working on, which was counterterrorism, the relationships that we established with somewhere around 200 different intelligence agencies around the world was incredibly important for our work at CSIS. Those agencies had their own eyes and ears on the ground. They had their own investigations. They had their own collection methods. They had their own data. They had their own specialties, which we could simply not replicate at CSIS. Recall that CSIS is not forbidden from collecting intelligence from a security perspective anywhere in the world, but we're still a rather small organization. We therefore gained incredibly from having the ability to talk to and share and give and take information from intelligence services in many parts of the world where we were rather thin on the ground. And CSIS, in fact, does post liaison officers around the world to facilitate those relationships. It got to the point when the file that I was responsible for, which is Islamist extremism, if I had to rank the most important partners, most important countries who helped me understand the general phenomenon of Islamist extremism, I would rank them, this is going back to the early, probably mid 2000s into the 2010s, I would rank them as my, my favorite partner for personal as well as professional reasons was the Dutch what's called the AIVD, the AIVD, which is their security intelligence service, they were masters at understanding isthmus extremism in the West. Other services with with whom I shared a, a great relationship were the Danes, the PET. Of course, the Brits, MI5, had a very solid understanding of isthmus extremism in the United Kingdom. The Australians were quite good. But there were other agencies throughout Europe and Middle East and Asia with whom I shared my views, they shared their views, I traveled there, they traveled here to Canada. We had great exchanges, great debates, and we all, I think, left better, better educated, better informed about the threats to our own country. I therefore knew that this world beyond the Five Eyes was the way to go. It was absolutely brilliant. So, in, in, so, I don't want to push back against Greg's column. It's still a very good column, and, I'll, and I'll, send a, I'll put a link to it in this in the end of this podcast. Bottom line is is that when it comes to terrorism, more is better. Sharing information, sharing analysis, sharing collection, sharing do's and don'ts, sharing good things and bad things is is the optimal practice for those of us engaged in counterterrorism from an intelligence or law enforcement perspective. Again, we were very fortunate in Canada to be part of that Five Eyes Alliance in the waning days of the Second World War. But we're also very, very fortunate at the, at the Canadian Security Intelligence Service to have multiple relationships with counterpart agencies from the four corners of the earth. I certainly had a good time learning from my counterparts. I hope that they, they learned a little bit from me as well. That's the reality of intelligence sharing and counterterrorism in the 21st century. No one can do it on their own. You have to share. You have to get along. Anyhow, I thought I'd just share some views on the, the, nation of the, the nature of the Five Eyes Alliance and nature of intelligence sharing in Canada. What do you think? Should we be sharing with certain nations? There's lots of concerns about human rights practices in various parts of the world. Should there be restrictions? Should there be guidelines? Let me know what you think. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealis saves. You'll also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content and like it get more, go to my website, borealis.risk.com, hit the subscribe button, provide your email, you'll get a free daily digest of all the podcasts, all the blogs to your inbox. I'd love to hear your views on this. Drop me a line. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.